Hi, this is Lilia with the Help Yourself podcast. And with me today, I am delighted to have Dr. Aileen McGrain, um, who is a real doctor, a GP doctor, not a PhD doctor. I think there's we always get mixed up with that. Aileen, thank you so much for coming on the Help Yourself podcast. It's lovely to be here. Now, I saw you, um, it was actually through Facebook, and realised that you were um, advocating a lot of the stuff that Heal Scotland talks about, which is lifestyle choices um, and all the things that we can do personally, um, along with perhaps things that you can recommend um, to help ourselves. And in a, in a time of you know, unprecedented levels of chronic degenerative disease, um, I was just so excited <laughs> to see somebody actually talking about this because all through the lockdown, I was like, why are they not teaching people how they can feel better? You know, um, so tell me how you how did this happen that you came to be to see and to kind of decide that you wanted to put your focus and energy there? Tell me how it all came about. So I did my kind of normal medical training junior years as a doctor, trained as a GP and worked within the NHS system. And I think really when things changed for me was when my own health wasn't great. And I was looking at ways that I could manage things. And I had been really lucky that in my training, I'd spent a bit of time at Glasgow Centre for Intricative Care, which is what used to be the homeopathic hospital in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And I worked with some wonderful doctors who looked at holistically managing people's um, health and well-being. Um, they ran courses that taught people how to look after themselves well, how to recover from um, chronic health conditions. They taught mindfulness and and it really was just a really inspiring place to work. And I found that it was also a place where it helped me to get better, too. So I was really lucky to work there as a specialty doctor for a couple of years Um, And I've also done several other jobs that have helped my understanding of some of the suffering that's out there, Um, like sitting on the disability tribunals for people who are appealing, not getting their disability benefits and really seeing the level of suffering is is quite shocking. Um, I've continued to have struggles with my own health, which I've learned to manage because I know what I need to know. But actually, if you weren't a doctor and hadn't had the experience that I've had, actually, people might not know how to be managing their health better. I had I had COVID last year and was really quite unwell after it and had a period where I wasn't able to work and, and I was I was struggling with my health. With the knowledge that I had, I've actually made a really good recovery. And I would really hope that people can access services that give them the same opportunities so we can level the playing field a bit for people. Absolutely. I think that's, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, somebody said to me at Christmas, um, it's all right for you. You know what to do. I mean, I've not had the same journey as you, but I did have um, really chronic fatigue very very severely and I had to find my own way out of it because there wasn't a pill that could fix me Um, so that's why I came from the same as you but didn't have the medical side and thought really people do need to know this and I think 
Well, I sort of assumed for a long time that, well, that we've got the internet now, you can find out. But the reality is people are busy and tired and unwell. And when you feel like that, you go online and there's just so many conflicting, you know, because there is no one size fits all. We know that. But I mean, Absolutely. what happens is there's so much information, people get actually stalled into inaction, even with their nutrition. I'm a nutritionist, but I gave up that because honestly, telling people what to eat and getting them to change their diet, I was just like, that's really a bit of a thankless job. You just don't eat crap. That's really, I think, one of the main messages. Yeah, eat real food is, yeah. is the way I put it. Yeah, exactly. We, we've made it so complicated. So now people, so you're going to be actually helping people with your medical and your kind of much wider holistic by the way, is that is the homeopathic integrative place not there now? It's still there. Um, they they shut the inpatient unit um, a few years ago, um, but the outpatient department is is still running, um, and there's still some some wonderful doctors um, and some excellent nurse practitioners and and other people that are still working in that service. Unfortunately, quite a lot of the funding has been cut. So it used to be somewhere that you could be referred to from anywhere in Scotland. And several health boards decided that they wouldn't continue funding. So it's not a service that everybody can access. And it's also a service that, like other NHS services, there's a waiting list. It, you know, you know, people are, are kind of are not able to immediately access everything that they need within the NHS, unfortunately. And the NHS has so much value. It is so good at dealing with a number of acute health problems and emergencies. And it has a really important role. But there's also there are some issues which what I think we need to start to realize as a society that we need to take some ownership and responsibility about and understand that our health is something we kind of need to invest in so that we can actually learn how to manage these things better and use those aspects of NHS care as and when needed and tap into it in those kind of acute emergencies. But the huge chronic health crisis within Scotland isn't going to be supported by the NHS in its current format. And so my new service is designed in a way to try and hopefully give people what they're needing. So a much longer consultation. So I recommend a 90 minute consultation to start with so that we can really sit down and explore all aspects of somebody's health and how it's affecting their life so we can kind of work out where somebody is where they want to get to what we can do about that and using a combination of things so yes using conventional medicine it you know it has a place and there's times that we need to be using it but also thinking about the complementary things that we might want to use and the lifestyle side of medicine which i think as gps we all want people to be doing but don't really have the time to be spending with people on, on really encouraging them and motivating themselves to understand really the influence they have on their own health. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really a completely new way to see the body, you know, um, which is, you know, it's where you live, it's where you think, it's where you feel, it's where you believe, it's where you perceive it. And all that information is going through every cell. And that affects our chemistry, that affects, which ultimately affects our immune system, et cetera. So, and I think, you, you know, 
absolutely 90 minutes is is you know is a much nicer amount of time than a, what is it seven minutes apparently in a lot of surgeries and yeah, I, know, it's, I know even here where in look page where I am people are still not getting to see GPs you know and I think um there's certain things that you really have to have your eyes on somebody to be able to you know really feel into them a bit yeah there's a there's a place for the the virtual medicine and, and the telephone triage is helping gps work out who has the acute need that they need to deal with and they can work out which people they need to bring in to be seen my service is set up in a way that we're virtual but a video consultation mm-hmm. which is the next best best thing to to sitting in person with somebody which would always be my preference but isn't always easy to manage and particularly with people with chronic health problems getting out the house and you know traveling actually it makes it a bit more accessible for some people so I've I've kind of used that as the way to try and get that balance between um, different needs both of my service and and the patient's um and and it seems to work well for people I'm, I'm getting positive feedback about it yeah and it's great I mean because you at least you can see them then you know yes. and you could get a feel if the, you know if you felt maybe they needed to go somewhere or you know if they needed more urgent care I suppose um Absolutely. and then and also the great thing is because my friend Claire who's a medical herbalist it expands your reach it means it's not just people that are demographically close to you it means that people anybody really can get the opportunity to have that 90 minute, you know, full consultation and chat with you and get your point of view and your own personal experience, which I think is really huge as well. If you have been feeling, you know, chronically unwell, I know that when I had COVID, I was floored by it as well. You think, God, this is how some people feel, you know, and, and then, you know, and lockdown in your house alone, this is, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's a, a really good um, opportunity to kind of feel these lower feelings that you know that a lot of people um, have experienced and experienced through their health when you've been pretty lucky you know all along so I think um, it, it makes you more empathetic really is what I'm trying to say I suppose. It does. I think that's the one thing that we have to take as kind of the silver lining from personal health problems is that it really deepens your understanding of your patients. And I think that empathy is one of the things in healthcare which is really needed. It's the bit that patients really connect to that you're genuinely interested and care about them. And you can be empathetic, but struggle to show it in a 10 minute consultation. Whereas actually, if you're taking the time and you're listening to somebody, they feel it. And the consultation itself has therapeutic benefits. And so you really, by giving people what they need rather than what the NHS can afford or provide Mm -hmm. actually seems like the right way to do things. And it's also the right way as as a professional to do things because working in that system where you're kind of back to back and it's really stressed that affects our health too absolutely absolutely you know and the more people I mean I've always worked for the public I'm a hairdresser I'm a nutritionist I was in the gym I was an aerobics instructor so you know the more people that you're dealing with the the harder it is (laughs) you know and also I think if somebody has a chance you're going to Weedle more information in 90 minutes, which can be in itself such a massive let and go exercise. Just the fact that somebody can actually come and 
tell you, you know, how they're actually feeling. And especially because I think a lot of people didn't want to go out during these two years because they were made to believe that they were very vulnerable. Maybe they were, but I think some weren't. Um, but they're now too scared to go back. So kind of got into a habit of not of ignoring the body again, you know, when it's when it's really quite obvious that um, it needs some support. So and that, that one of the things that I really love is helping people to understand what their body is telling them. So what we see as symptoms are kind of signs from the body that our body is asking us to listen to, to something and that it almost doesn't matter kind of where it's coming from. It's about tapping into it and listening. One of the reasons why I use mindfulness as, as part of what I offer, because mindfulness brings with it that kind of, you know, um, acceptance of what's happening in the present moment, scanning through your body, seeing what you're experiencing, and actually then kind of interpreting that and having somebody to guide you to understand what that means, what, you know, what it means when you're tired. Um, you know, what does it mean when you're feeling dizzy or because there's a whole re host of reasons why that might be. But actually, then when you found out enough about somebody's life and their experiences, you can normally put those pieces of the jigsaw together for somebody to help them understand what's going on and what we can do about it as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's prevention, isn't it? You know, when the body starts knocking, it's, you know, because it knocks quietly at first and then it gets louder and louder and louder. Yeah. And we listen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I traditionally today have worked a lot with people who've been diagnosed terminal or incurable working primarily with their fear and their mind around that and then I thought I'm going to put more focus on prevention because instead of trying to pull people back from over the cliff let's try and help people not to get fall off the edge um, and I think that's um, you know exactly that the body is an intelligent you know, bundle of cells. It made yeah. eyes and legs and hair and all that. So it knows what to do. And it's just learning that new language and listening. Because I think, yeah. you know, you were probably the same. I know you've got three children. You know, you're a, a doctor. It's tiring this life. And, and then, you know, you get a virus or whatever, you know, there's another straw comes on the camel's back. And before you know it, you're like, but we tend to ignore it, don't we? Do you find yeah. that? Yeah. It, it's because it's convenient to ignore it. And we have ideas about what we want to be doing with our lives and plans. And mm -hmm. so we do things because it's what we think we should be doing. And actually, it's really important challenging ourselves around what we what we're better to be doing you know not just what we want but actually what we need mm -hmm. and understanding the difference between needs and wants is really important mm -hmm. um because i think we quite often get caught up in the consumerist society that we live in and actually our basic needs are pretty simple and we need to be looking after those before we add on any of those extra wants. And if we're not meeting those needs, actually we're going to become depleted. We're going to start to suffer. And if we're not listening for those little signals, and it's really interesting when you look at um, the, the sense of interception and how not everybody has a good sense of interception. So we don't all have a good 
tune into our body to be listening to these senses about are we hungry are we tired are we thirsty and so some people actually need to work harder to look after themselves and others but don't even realize that they're they're facing that extra battle that they they assume that they're just like everybody else but we're all individuals we're all completely unique and special in our own way and so learning to understand what our body is asking for is important because it might not be the same as what the next person's body is asking for yeah absolutely and I think you know it's like some people can lose weight easier than others some people can go take do a detox and feel brilliant you know and there is absolutely no one size fits all and I mean I've certainly seen very clearly and the other thing obviously as women because a lot most of my clients are young women with children and it breaks my heart because you know they're the the demanding role of being a a mum and a partner and a you know having a career and all of that is far too much it's just you know your our health you know is suffering for that and I think you know sort of getting pregnant recovering from growing a human breastfeeding you know perhaps and then you you know periods every month (laughs) and then you've got the menopause of course to look forward to so there's all these different times that have completely different nutritional exercise you know spiritual emotional needs So all of that really has to be taken into consideration, doesn't it? It does. And my my first episode of ill health was after I had my first son and I had postnatal depression and it was a really tough period. Um, And I'm now kind of entering into the kind of perimenopausal kind of stage. And I, I think we have to understand how these different times in our life affect our health in different ways and that actually what works at one point isn't necessarily the same thing that works somewhere else and we need to continue to adapt and change what we're doing I I used to have this idea that there was this goal of health that you you got to and I think the the longer I've been learning the more I'm realizing that actually it's just a continual journey that we have to continue to adapt to and learn more things and we start to to maybe kind of understand a different aspect of it that's come in and so I guess for all of us it's it's a learning journey and I guess I see doctors our role is to maybe understand some of the extra bits of the body and how it works and what medicines work and how they are and when things need investigated and maybe when they don't but our job is a guide to people to help them understand that journey because we've seen lots of people on those journeys Mm -hmm. I think the important thing for doctors is the fact that if we're people that are going to teach people about health we should be healthy ourselves and so I'm not at that goal of health, but I think when you're committed to wanting to be healthy, I think that's the right place to then be able to help other people. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're, you're kind of the living, breathing example. That, you know, you've got your children, your career, and you want to help others. And you're a, we're all a work in progress. You know, that's the reality. Um, I think, and like you, I mean, I've, I healed myself from the chronic fatigue and then I had postmenopausal arthritis. I sorted that out as well with um, all the different protocols. So that, I think, you know, what, when, the way we teach at Heal Scotland and over at our Holistic Healing Centre is very much about, pro- we just use the, the lifestyle 
choices, call them protocols. So, you know, things like cold water, breath work, et cetera. And then, but also how you approach it because, and particularly with diet, um, how people get very angry that they've got to change their diet and they don't really want to. And the, the whole mindset around that, instead of being kind of like, wow, I can influence this energy system by putting yeah. in these much more vibrant organic foods, the attitude can be very, you know, challenging for people. It can be really hard. And I was watching Andrew Huberman with um, talking about the microbiome and how, well, they've done it, the tests on mice because it would be impossible to do this test on humans. But generation and generation of a poor diet, it then becomes more difficult for the next human coming, so the next child, to have great health because... The, bi- the microbiome, if you can change your diet and you'll get a, a kind of temporary improvement, but then the community is so strong that the body seems to remember the, the old way. <laughs> and, and, you know, we slip, that again, this is done in mice, but, that, you know, we, it's kind of a guidance as to what could be happening. So when I choose to eat a lot of crappy food and then have a kid, we're passing that on. And I think that's really important too. You know, yeah. because it's quite worrying when you think when you see some children now that are obese and, and you know, anxious and all the things that, you know, um, that we never used to really. I mean, I was anxious as a kid, but nobody gave me a label. It was quite normal. Everybody was, I think. But now we're really seeing that all these labels, etc. You know, what's your thoughts on that? I think we... We are in a society where our, I suppose kind of there's the, the nature and the nurture side of things with kids. So if we are people that have certain habits, we're likely to pass those on to our kids because that's what they're used to in their environment. Mm-hmm. And there's also all the fascinating stuff around epigenetics as well, mm-hmm. around how our lifestyle can kind of flick on and off genes so that actually we do have more control than I think we used to think we had over our genes um so there's I think more of an incentive to look at how we're living our lives to be able to reduce our chances of of certain illnesses mm-hmm. I think that when it comes to to kids I we know and I think Scotland knows the importance of trying to help children be healthier it's got some really good strategies in place to try and help you know with things like you know um oral hygiene for kids and I've seen some amazing work done on Scottish government by understanding of the um adverse childhood events and the impact that has on people as as they grow older and and the effect on their lives and and illnesses. So I think we know that this is somewhere we really need to invest our time and energy into helping children be healthier. And I think that in part comes from teaching their parents uh, as well. and so there are some good programs around additional support available to to parents to try and and help break some of these cycles and i think that's one of the things that i've kind of realized that i've done is i've i've broken some of the cycles within our family and and said that actually i am going to do things a bit differently i know that um this is maybe the way that we've always done things but 
actually you if you need to bring change it's really important to do that the difficulty is when you change there's always a bit of a backlash from people because they don't like it they want you to keep doing things in the same way that you've always done them and rocking the boat is tricky and so sometimes people need the support and encouragement around acknowledging that these changes are hard and it can feel pretty uncertain for a period of time but getting through that and getting to that point of having a healthy impact on on your well-being is really worth it. Yes and I think you know we've got an arm to Heal Scotland called Mums Across Scotland and I've kind of took the model from Zane Honeycutt uh, who started Mums Across America. She had three sons who were all unwell and she changed their diet and it wasn't easy Um, and they all became well very quickly when she took the genetically modified foods out of the diet. Um, And so, but the last thing we want to do is stress mums more, but there is no kind way to say that we need to get, the kids are getting far too much sugar. And, And, you know, my thinking always was if we could all kind of like, with the schools and with the parents and with the children decide that we're all going to do it and we're all going to you know make sure that they weren't taking crap snacks to school I mean they their brains don't work when they're eating that stuff and teachers can't teach them I mean it's there's so many reasons why we have to do it but yeah. you know as it's, it's that change it's the neuroscience of change and I think in understanding the the plasticity of the brain and the habits and the programming and how yes you will resist and yes you will not want to do it and yes your kids will kick and scream and so will you but this is why because you know in order for our children to be have a longevity a vital longevity ahead of them we have to because you know there's I just don't think there's a choice anymore we need to address it yeah I think sugar is a real tricky one. The studies that have shown that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. No. It's, you know, it, it's it's one of these ones that's really hard to get people to work with. And I think one of the important things that's come up in previous work that I've done is around helping people to understand it's not just about the fact that you should change. It's about why bother? Why, you know, what is it? And And I think when people are at that kind of rock bottom with their health and want change it's about challenging them and helping them understand what's possible and what can be done and there's so many inspiring stories of people reversing type 2 diabetes and you know kind of doing fantastic amazing things with their health we know it's possible and so it's our job I think to inspire people and to let them know it's not easy and that we know it's not easy and that when we've made these changes ourselves actually it's been tough but we've managed it yes but we've managed it in a human way and actually there's probably still times that people have uh you know, a relapse that maybe they're not eating the healthiest food, even though they want to be eating healthily. Or, you know, there's times where maybe you're not as active as you normally would be. Or because when you've got busy lives and you're trying to juggle everything, it's impossible to keep it all perfect all of the time. And so one of the things I think is really important is the the self-compassion that we bring to ourselves to understand that, even in my job where I should be doing the right things all the time because I really know what they are, 
there's times I don't manage it, but I'm just like everybody else and I'm just as fallible and I'm not going to be getting it right. And those times are when actually, rather than giving myself a hard time about that, the best thing to be doing is to be giving myself a bit of a virtual hug and that kind of pep talk like I would do if it was one of my kids or my friend and kind of encouraging myself to try again the next day and you know and that I'll do better and so I think that the attitudes that we have and those skills are things that we really need to work on with people so that they can not give up that that I think is one of the really tricky bits is that if we think that we're not doing it right the temptation is there just to stop and actually it's about keep going keep trying and even if it's just a little step that you take every day actually over a period of time that becomes really significant and you can look back and say wow you know I remember a year ago this is where I was and this is what I was doing and look at me now and over that year there'll have been lots of times where people felt like they're not making progress but actually when you step back and look at the bigger picture they are and so it's the intent I think is just as important as the knowledge of what you should be doing. Absolutely and I think you know the more of us that do it the easier it becomes you know if you know and that's really what we have we are all in it together and I think you know you know if one friend says that I'm going to make a really healthy dinner tonight you guys come to me and then they you know you can do that they can do it for you another time or or you know bake or, or make some raw you know desserts or whatever that the kids can that have got some nutritional value and share them you know it doesn't need to be you don't need to do it alone it's great if you can tribe up with some people and and share and it's remembering and being reminded but what do you think because I you know I agree with the the NHS now you pretty much in get the job done and you're back out I mean nobody really wants to stay in hospital anyway so it seems to me that really we've got this kind of acute place but we don't really have a place for people to recover to yeah. rehabilitate, to, you know, to, to recuperate. And yeah. that's sort of missing, isn't it now? And I suppose, I mean, it all boils down to money. I mean, we're, we've, we're setting up a place, well, it's already set up, but there's a cost attached to it. And, you know, there's, that's everything that we talk about in Heal Scotland. And all, all, a lot of the things you're talking about too, it's things you can do for yourself for free. You know, YouTube's got millions of great videos now. You know, you can tune into somebody that you'll like and find some mindfulness or meditation or breath work, etc. But there are times I feel that people just they sending them home, particularly alone, is just not really helpful to their long term health. And to, you know, I mean, my brother, as I was saying to you, he's not been well. So taking him juice, but not everybody's got somebody that can do that. I think mm. we yeah. need a space, don't we? like the homeopathic hospital was where people can go and actually be looked after until they are well enough to, um, you know, to go back to their home, especially as, I mean, I'm saying if you live alone, it's hard, but sometimes if relationships are tough, it's harder going home to people. But but you know what I mean? Do you know? Yeah, we, we used to have the kind of hospitals for convalescence, you know, where people would go to recover and they would be 
in beautiful kind of grounds and nature and the sunlight and you know all these kind of aspects were there where people would be cared for as they were recovering in that convalescent period and that's I think one of the things that it's really sad that we've lost we've, we've lost that sense of how important it is and and I think that we're we're definitely missing something about the the humanity in healthcare. So in those environments, part of what's important is that you've got somebody caring for you. Um, you know, the the nurses and um, you know, kind of that element of what they're offering. It's that human contact. And like you said, when people are living alone and they don't have somebody there to help in those ways, how do people cope? Mm-hmm. And and actually, there's a lot of people that struggle day to day looking after themselves. And and we should be thinking about what we can be doing about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure that we have the answers for, for these things. But I think there's there's definitely big gaps in healthcare, And it's it's the gap that was there for some of the conditions that I know my service works well for the the medically unexplained symptoms, the things where people have been investigated and they've been told what they don't have, but they still don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the chronic fatigues, the fibromyalgias, the long COVIDs, these kind of things. I think people feel lost within the system that there's a gap that they've kind of fallen into and become quite desperate, really, mm-hmm. um, and not knowing where to turn or what to do. Or mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I guess... What I'm hoping is that I can help people understand where they are and what's needed and tap in to all the services that I know about within the NHS, within the third sector, with, you know, with charities and other organisations, you know, understanding our benefit system and how that works. And so there's all these bits that I think it's about knowing who is the right person to help you? Where do we need to get you to? What support is available for you? And and I think that there's some really good work going on nowadays in GP practices quite often have a link worker who can help with some of those practicalities like the benefits and the, you know, kind of supports that people are needing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also that element of people want their doctor to be able to help them put these pieces together mm-hmm. I think when you're told that you should be doing something by a doctor people tend to listen and are a bit more likely to do it because it's almost like what we call kind of you know social prescribing where we're kind of saying this is what you know would work for you this is what's going to be useful and because it's coming from me there's that element that people are going to believe it and they're a bit more likely to do it mm-hmm. and so sometimes we can have lots of different health professionals doing really great work but in general practice, we've we've moved away. The GPs are really only seeing the very complicated people because we've trained up the nurse practitioners and paramedics and pharmacists and all these other people working in general practice, which is great. But it means that the GPs are a bit inaccessible um, to, to people these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people just need to feel safe and they need to feel that it's somebody's listening. Yeah. Because I know with it, you know, the clients that I work with very often, if they've had all the treatment that is available, then they're kind of left to sort of wallow in terror about what's going to happen next. And 
you know, that kind of real need for reassurance and, and, I, and I suppose ultimately we have to discuss death, you know, and what is it and how do we, we're all going there. <laughs> yeah. We're all returning home and some, you know, and you never know when that's going to be and how we can maybe, I know there's hospices, but, um, you know, I, th- I still think there's just a big gap for people, you know, that just basically need some reassurance and perhaps some medical help at the same time. It's, it's um, yeah. There's definitely a lot of suffering going on, um, as you've identified, that I think we, you know, we could alleviate by conversations like this that I'm hoping. And I want to thank you so much for what you're doing. It's absolutely, you, it's, when I saw your um, message, it just made my day um, that at last, and it's so great you're in Scotland as well, because, I mean, we just have such a really poor, poor health record and we can change that. I mean, I absolutely believe that from my boots, um, but we need, and the education is not enough. We need the inspiration and we need the support and we need just the, I suppose at some level, we just need to have that desire, you know, and if it's not even for us, it's got to be for our kids and our grandkids. That's um, because the politicians ain't coming to fix us. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's really important to understand that we can't hand our problems over to other people to fix them. That actually we're the people who are most invested Uh in our lives improving. And that means that, we have to take on some ownership and so it's really important that I I help my patients understand that I'm not going to fix their problems I don't have a magic wand I don't have a special pill that I'm going to prescribe them that's going to fix things and helping them to understand that actually they could see lots of different specialists and they're still not going to get that magic tablet helps them to come to an acceptance of where they are and then work on what they can be working on. And I think sometimes we're maybe not brave enough to be honest with people about when we've reached that end of the road and we keep on looking and searching and trying to find something that's gonna work. But actually, I think people want honesty and they want us to say, well, actually there's maybe not something that I'm gonna be able to give you that's gonna be able to fix this. So let's look at other things that might make a difference here. Let's, you know, let's look at your diet, or your sleep or your activity level or how much fluid you're drinking you know some of the the real kind of basics that actually when you start asking people about you find out maybe aren't as good as you you would have have thought and that there is some room then for change yes absolutely and I think you know I'm sure for decades doctors have been saying you need to lose some weight and you need to do more exercise but I think the difference is now is the kind of information to uh, that, that will allow people to say that, you know, if, if you do this, this will happen. So, you know, we have a much deeper understanding of carbohydrates and different kinds of carbohydrates and proteins and fats and good fats and bad fats, etc. So people can say, right, okay, you know, now I'm starting to understand hydration, key, sleep, absolutely. And these are the things, and, and mouth, bre- mouth breathing, nose breathing, you know, these things that Yep. Very, very simple. See the amount of people that have messaged me about mouth taping and saying had the first great night's sleep in years just by yep. taping their mouth. So yep. I think we, we're always looking for these complicated, you know, solutions that, you know, somebody in a laboratory somewhere is going to discover something amazing. And in actual fact, if you make these fairly simple changes, you can notice quite dramatic improvements. Yeah. So 
so that's the kind of thing that you'd be talking about and teaching people about mindfulness and um and what they can do for themselves really yeah and i think one of the one of the nice things as well is that when you see patients you also hear from them what works for them you you sometimes we think about we have all the answers but actually quite often it's my patients will tell me about something and i'll then go and look up the evidence behind it or find out more about it and so particularly when people are doing well and finding out well what is it that's worked for you how did you recover from that it can really help guide other people's journeys as well which is why it's so important to have the communities where you're talking to other people and connecting with other people's lived experiences Mm -hmm. because there's lots of things out there that people want to talk about and they want to ask questions and I might not have all the answers I might not know about one particular complementary therapy or technique but I'm happy find out about it and and have those conversations with people and work out how to safely explore something alongside their other health conditions and and work out is it right for that person you know not everything is you know like the cold water therapy that's not going to be safe for everybody and so you've got to look at making sure that people know when there's risks for them but just because there's risks for some people doesn't mean it's not absolutely right for somebody else to be trying so it's it's useful to guide people and help them to make informed choices yeah absolutely and i know for me with the cold water when the first time i saw people doing it i was like what they are off their heads it was in ireland it was november it was dark it was blown a hooli but i thought they're getting something out of that that i have to understand and and i think that's what happens that things come into your awareness so you start thinking i want to feel better i need more energy and you start looking for solutions for yourself and realize that you know as you say there's not a magic pill for a lot of our chronic problems because they're created by our lifestyle and a huge part of that is stress and overload um whether that comes in from you know toxicity with our food or whatever it doesn't matter it's all making the body have to work harder so being tired so these things then will start when you start asking questions you know what would it take and how can I what can I do then that just changes everything doesn't it because then suddenly you're not the victim of your genes etc you're like right I can manipulate my genetic expression by making different choices and that I think is um, and again I just you're absolutely right hearing it from you there's just a different level of um, I suppose belief (laughs) because people believe because they know that you've studied for a long time you understand the body and that you're you know you absolutely want to help and I think as I say you know you've been there yourself so you're really keen and most people that I know that are great healers they feel themselves from something usually quite dramatic and that's why they're really keen you know to help others yeah So so I will put your you you got a website I do yes uh, well, um, your website um and is that the best way to contact you yeah so I've got um the website I've got a Facebook page um they both have the the email address the contact number if people do want to get in touch and I'm I'm happy to have a chat with people about what I can offer um you know kind of 10-15 minutes as a, a a free kind of start so that people can understand more about what I'm doing if it's right for them and and then kind of book in for for a longer consultation if they feel that that's right for them 
Yeah, fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant. I think, I mean, most people listening to this will have a good feel for what's an offer because really a lot of it is extracting information from people for you, isn't it? To really understand well, what's going to work best and, yeah. you know, what protocols that you have, you know, that you've researched. Because it's, you know, when I was said to you at first, are you allowed to do all this? And you said, yeah, as long as it's evidence-based and clearly you know, that's everything that you're going to be talking about, as the same with Scotland's Wild Medicine. You know, the research, there's loads of science out there that's just not quite filtered right down now. Um, yeah. And But anyway, thanks to people like you, it, we're getting the message out. So lovely to chat to you. And, yeah. um, and I'll chat to you again, I'm sure, um, further down the line to see how it's all going. Um, yeah. and, and I know that you would like to eventually have some physical premises wouldn't you yeah I, I think it is really important to have the opportunity to sit face to face with people that human connection is something that I crave as much as everybody else and so I'd, I'd love to have premises I think at the moment the virtual service works as as well as it can do um and I, I know that if I've got somebody that I think they really need to be examined by somebody, I'm going to be writing to their GP and explaining what's going on, how I think we need to, mm -hmm. to do things differently. If there are tests that need to be done, I can recommend those to their GP or I can refer them privately. You know, I, I, I can find a way to make sure that we're not missing anything. And that's one of the things I think makes a difference is about I know which things we shouldn't be ignoring and which which symptoms and signs we really should be investigating so that we don't miss something important and and then finding ways to make sure that that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, we should all be working together for to help, you know, because we all have not not just different skill sets, but different eyes and different intuitions, you know, that you just pick up things, don't you? And um it should never be a competition. It should always just be about the making sure that we're doing the best for the yeah. people that need help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great stuff. Um, and I'll put these links on and then people can get to have that amazing 90 minutes with you. That's awesome. Great. So thank you so much and best of luck with it. And I'm, I'll chat to you soon. Thanks. Lovely to talk to you. Take Ta care. Bye. Bye.